Hey, James. <laughs> Christopher, are you okay? <laughs> hey, um, I, I want to point out, the reason he may sound strange is because he brought his own coffee today, so I have no <laughs> idea what's in there. Oh, that, that's true. I did bring my own coffee. Yeah, and I don't know what's in there, and I'm a little bit afraid now because that laugh was <laughs> weird. I'm experimenting with oak milk. Oh, God. Oak milk. Oh, Not goat, explain it. but oat. Yeah, that would explain things. Do you like goat? Before we start, I just want to quickly ask, do you drink milk other than cow milk? Oh, I don't drink cow milk. What do you think I am, some kind of barbarian? <laughs> well, have you ever tried like other milk? Like if you had like goat milk or? Uh, Probably, but I don't remember. I've had a lot of things over the years, but I'm old now, so I don't remember everything I've done. But I, I only drink soy milk. I love the Simpsons where they drink rat milk at the caf- school cafeteria. And they don't know it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say about that. I, um, uh, I, you wanted to talk about flowers. Oh, you have a garden growing in your backyard, and I also have a garden in my backyard. Yeah, that's the wife. Oh, that is why. Okay. Two summers ago, I decided to save a little water and move my grass back a little bit and expand the desert scenery part of the yard, which is basically just trees um covering rock i created a little corner for wildflowers and i thought the wife would love it and maybe we could be an activity that we could do together you know together time (laughs) anyways we were really into it together the first year now it's she's completely uninvolved it's just me sitting out there (laughs) watering watering and nurturing these wild because is wildflowers don't really grow in the wild unless they are naturally wild where they naturally grow. And since we are out in the middle of the desert, there's not very many wildflowers. You didn't flowers. get any desert wildflowers? There are a lot of desert wildflowers. There are, but the season of them is short. Okay. So like you can get like, they call them Southwest poppies. They're like the California poppies, but they're not orange. They're so you're, yellow. You're forcing it. You're forcing these I'm poor forcing little flowers it. out of their natural habitat and, and, to, and to bend to your will. I don't believe I'm saving any water. You're a bad person. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a bad person. And why would you torture these poor little plants like that? <laughs> well, we, we have a neighbor down the street. Oh my gosh, she's amazing wildflowers. Well, it's interesting. You said neighbor because the one thing I do like about the watering of the flowers is the neighbors that come over and chat oh, yeah. for like two minutes and say, how are you doing? And they have an excuse to talk to me because of the flowers. They'll say, oh, your flowers look so nice today. And then they'll talk about a flower and then we'll start a casual conversation and then they'll move on with, on their way. And I've noticed, I, I like that. I like talking to the neighbors. I mean, I don't want to sit out there all day and talk to them, but you know, a five, 10 minute conversation, is, it's pleasant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so should we cut, he struck down to five or 10 minutes? Uh, now what happens when the neighbor talk? Okay, oh wait, so we have the, so my Spanish is very primitive. So does does your wife not care about the flowers anymore? Just not you, or what? What is what's going on? I, I think it's a little of each. <laughs> is she getting tired of you? You need to spice things up. Maybe you need to just just wear the flowers. I think one she's day. tired of me trying to spice things up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are getting to that age. Well, I don't feel like I'm that age, but people keep That's telling true. me. You don't. Yeah, people you, keep telling me. You don't sound like you're at that age. <laughs> um, I have this neighbor that comes and talks to me from time to time. And she only speaks Spanish. And she's got to be, I'm not kidding. She's got to be in her 80s. She does the shuffle walk. You know how elderly shuffle when they walk, their feet don't really. Yeah, I understand. So her and I talk about the flowers. I probably understand about 10% of what she says. I'm guessing she's only being polite and understands nothing that I'm saying. (laughs) And, uh, but I will tell you, it has made me go into my little Spanish dictionary that I got in college and look words up. You know, you can use your phone for that now. <laughs> no, I mean, like literally the phone will translate for you. You can speak into it and it will speak out what you want. Yeah, I tried weird? it once and Isn't it's weird. Crazy? But I, the whole point of gardening is to get away from technology, be with my little pseudo nature backyard. Yeah, but that's all technology too. I mean, using technology to force these plants... <clears throat> Against their will to grow under your <laughs> specified conditions. But at least it's old technology. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's not very high tech. No, it's not. <laughs> Other than the uh, fancy printing on the labels. Well, that and probably Facebook has little uh, nano chips in the, in the flowers too. To I recycle my seats. So I don't even use that actually. Oh, no, I'm sure. I'm I re- sure they're in there somehow. I recycle everything. That I, I noticed the variety of flowers gets wider when you recycle your flowers. You collect really? them. Oh, yeah. So... 
15 years ago, I went to a wedding and there was this wind blowing like crazy when I was heading toward Fresno and there was cotton blowing across the fields and I collected the cotton seeds and then I went home and in spring I planted them. The first year they were like, looked like little uh, pastel yellow roses with yellow tips. Hmm. And since then I have cotton with purple tips. I have all white cotton flowers. I have flowers that are yellow at the bottom and pink at the top. Do you harvest the cotton? Yeah, and I, every year I recycle the, the seeds. I've been doing it for, it's come, I, I think actually I'm remembering this wrong. It's closer to 17 do you, years. Do you have a cotton gin? No, I don't, but Uh-oh. I do use reuse the cotton for all kinds of things. What do you use the cotton for? Well, I save the cotton for Christmas time, and huh. then I use it for ornaments. So like around the candles, we put them in glass. Oh, that we, sounds safe. Well, it's in a glass, so I, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. But um, And then um, the, the birds use the cotton, so all of the... the all of the oh, nests oh, wow. in my house. You've got some nice nests. They're all poofy this white. Is, this is like primo. Yeah, luxury, luxury homes for our birds in the neighborhood. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get turn you into even weirder than you are. But you know, cotton <laughs> is a fantastic material as long as you don't make clothes out of it. It's fantastic for paper. You oh, can make I, you know, paper I, with cotton. I love different. I used to work at an art store, and we used to play with the different papers. And you would get um, the cotton mixed with like linen hmm. or other, oh, going on to flowers. Sometimes you'd get the cotton mixed in with dried flowers and you make <laughs> yeah. like cards with it. I know. It's, I'm no, kidding. that's for the silly part. Those are the people who don't really do the art that come in. Uh, you, know, you know how art stores are. Art stores are really geared not towards artists, but most art stores are not geared towards artists. They're geared towards people who want to be artists. Uh, oh, like, right. In I guess you're right. Time but- and, I will tell you, I have some paper at the house that's made out of recycled blue jeans. Because artists can't afford those prices that they have at the art stores. <laughs> you have what that was re- recycled out of blue jeans? Paper. Paper. It's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baby blue paper made out of blue jeans. I remember cool. uh, when I was in high school, our teacher took us on a local field trip to a, a local fiber artist who was taking all the clothes and just, re- you know, she put them in a blender and re- and then you basically you cut up, cut up, cut up the fibers so that they're loose again. And then you can put them in a press, press the water out of it, and you've got paper. And she would mold them into different shapes as well. There's a lady here in Phoenix um, I met a few years ago, believe it or not, on Twitter. <laughs> and she uh, she makes really interesting papers. You know what? I'm going to ask her if she can be on our show okay. in a couple weeks. Sounds good. She's a very lint, nice lady. Lint, you can use lint for that too because you know what lint is? Yes. Fibers that escaped your shirts and pants. Fibers that your dryer is tearing off of your clothes but, by the way but if you tip. made paper on lint does that mean your your paper's made out of underwear it's made out well, does, 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 does it matter <laughs> well it depends whose underwear they are and of course lint it, you know it, it's all the fibers so a lot of it is probably uh synthetic but uh you know, the problem with lint is um it used to be a great tinder for fire starting as well for like if you're going camping yeah the, the thing is it doesn't work anymore because um i think it's the fabric softener sheets yes I don't know what it is about the chemical treatment of that, but it, it basically renders them useless. Because I use softener, which is so funny because I went camping. Let us get a little more coffee. I, okay. When we get back, I want to tell you about my little camping trip oh, that this sounds weekend. Great. Life getting you down. Is your head always drooping towards the floor? And then seeing your horrible floor just makes you feel that much worse? What to do? Don't change you. That's too much work. Change your floor instead. Go Rage's flooring is happy, sunny, exciting, rejuvenating flooring. They make flooring fun again. Woohoo. Go Rage's flooring. For one you just can't bear to look at your old, horrible floor anymore. You'll be so happy you won't ever look at your floor again. Whoopee. That's GoRageousFlooring.com. GoRageousFlooring. G-O-R-A-G-E-O-U-S.com. Dogs. Dogs pick somebody that they want to protect in the house. It's usually the kids. Okay, well, here's the thing. Um, and then as an experiment, I said, hey, hey, you know, Bob, start punching me. And so Bob starts punching me. Cleo starts barking at me again. <laughs> like, why? And why, then, and why then, is the dog even... The dog's probably wondering why you are even in a, in a physical confrontation with... The youngest kid in the house, the youngest one in the house. Well, and then, and then, just to make sure she's completely psychotic, I have my wife start hitting my son. Oh, just to see what happens. Just to see what happens, and the dog is barking at me. Because <laughs> you're not doing anything, James. I don't know what your dog loves you. I'm sure he knows your she... master. Oh, she. I said Cleo. That's right. You don't did. misgender you her. Did. You did. 
camping. camping. We always go camping with the scouts, but we don't go camping with the family as much as we used to. So this was a big weekend we've been talking about for months and the family went out or I should say went north to an area not too far from Payson, Arizona called Christopher Creek. (laughs) Have you been there? No, I don't think so. There's no vanity there. No, of course not. (laughs) There's no van. There's no vanity. But we went with another family. So this is kind of funny. I, I consider myself a Christopher and my last name for those that don't know is Furman. We went with a family. Let me, let me just say, everyone knows you are Christopher Furman. You are the majestic, golden god, golden-haired god, Christopher Furman. Everyone knows you. You are famous. You've been in movies. Oops, sorry. None of them any good. So did you go with the other Chris? Yes. So it was Christopher Furman with Chris Herman god. and Christopher Creek. That is, I don't know how to keep the two of you apart. It's like you're Bob Newhart thing. You're both like 6'2 or something. You both have beards. You're both white. I mean, at least one of you could be not white. Well, our wives' are, names are kind of funny. Patsy and Betsy? <laughs> yeah, so it's Christopher, Betsy. Yeah, but at least the, you can't mix Chris those two. Because Patsy. Patsy is tall and dark and your wife is short and blonde. We're, well, we're kind of opposites. They're a darker family and we're a lighter family. <laughs> okay. But we're the Furmans and they're the Hermans. Which is yet another funny thing, I think. Well, there there are a bunch of Chris, Chris's in the scout troop anyway, so it's just like you said, and I used to call Carl Chris just accidentally because I just assume everyone there is Chris. <laughs> so we went camping at Christopher Creek, and I was a little bit worried because this has kind of been a warm winter, not too much rain or snow this year. Mm, yeah. So I was worried our creek would not be creaky and more like muddy. So what we did is we found the water, and there was actually a decent amount running. And it was filled with trout wow. and crawdads. Mm. Now, you need a fishing license, which of course we had. <laughs> um, but my son, my youngest son, um, caught a trout. Wow. Yeah, How I couldn't believe it? it. A pretty big one. And so that went into a bucket with some water. And most of the day, all the little guys were talking ages from like, I think seven up to 18. All the kids from their two families were out there collecting crawdads. Oh, wow. Now, I, now you know about crawdads. I do. Do tell. What do you want me to tell? I mean, I've seen, the, the funny thing is, I've seen them from Texas to New York. But do you know anything unique about Arizona crawdads? Nope. They are considered an invasive species. Oh, okay. And from my understanding, if you catch one and throw it back in, you, you could technically get fined 500 bucks. Oh, <laughs> uh, the law. The law. So we think we collected somewhere between 35 and 40 and wow we put them all in a nice little bucket were you getting on these this car camping yeah it's car okay, camping. okay. that it's makes true. sense because you're not going to be carrying buckets with you if you're going camping no backpack camping. no but we collected these crawdads and then we and i say we i mean myself took them at dinner time to the stove and boiled them up mm-hmm. and had a good old-fashioned wow. mud bug meal do you like crawdads uh, I don't think I've ever had them, but they're the crayfish or crawfish or whatever the hell. I assume I would. Yeah, I, the three names I know is when I grow up, crawdads, and they're crawfish, lobsters, they're basically lobsters. Yeah, mud bugs. I think lobsters are giant mud bugs. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 bottom feeders. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sure most people know this, but before I don't know the 1950s, maybe before I don't know when when it turned, but it used to be that lobster was only the food for poor people. Well, in Maine. In New York, too. They used to only they give... To, lo- they, there were riots in New York City. And I think in, I don't remember the times. It was either the late 19th century or the early 20th century where they, the, the workers would literally riot if they got too much lobster. That's so funny because lobster also in Maine used to be given only to prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now, of course, my, my wife and my oldest son love lobster. I mean, we... Whenever they get an opportunity to order lobster, it's it's on the table. And so, but anyways, going back to my crawfish meal, loved it so much, couldn't get enough, went home after the camping trip and went to a local Cajun place and ordered it again. Wow. <laughs> it was it was our Mother's Day treat. My okay. my wife wanted lobster and I wanted more crawdads. So <laughs> when she said she wanted lobster and I knew I was getting at Tafe. I could I can what does that mean? Etouffee is a meal. Wow, that's, that's do you know do you know French? I know Cajun. 
<laughs> Talking about the Hermans. Oh, so I, yeah. I know something about the Hermans, which is kind of nutty. They have six kids. They do. That's crazy. Is it? I think so. Well, it shouldn't be, but, you know, by these days. And the, you know what's crazy? Here's the crazy part. They have six kids, and Patsy and Chris seem like the most normal, chill people I've ever known in my life. I don't know how they manage. They're a lovely family. It is, it is fun to travel with other good parents because I've traveled with people that are not necessarily the best parents. Their kids are running wild. You ask their kids if they like something and the next thing you know, they're like, give me, you know, or they're like, yes, you know, they're just rude. <laughs> and we talked about this on the episode how people are rude now. Mm-hmm. It's very nice to travel with another group of well-behaved kids because I think today what is considered well-behaved is not what people considered well-behaved maybe 10, 15 years ago. I don't know. I think it it's hard to say. You know, there's there's so much variance. It's uh, it's kind of like comedy, right? Everybody has a different sense of humor. I guess so. But have you ever been to a restaurant where, like, the kids are running around wild at another table? Loud. Of course. Does it bug you? Yeah. That's what I'm considered. That's but rude. People, I, it's, it's not just the kids. Uh, well, of course. One is part of the other. Well, no, I'm just saying it's not, not it's just people in general when they just don't have manners. Yeah. So but I've met the, families that have really nice manners, but their kids are like out of control. Really? Yeah, that's, I can see that too. People hey, are, people are weird. You wanted to talk about something today and I oh was kind of interested. Thought, it's something you read about. Oh God. Do we really want to? Okay. Yeah, I do okay, because see, this we is were, something we that's very interesting to me. Such a nice, positive time. And now I just, oh, I was listening to NPR last week, just at the wrong minute. And I, I heard this, I'm going to say person because I'm going to try to be nice about it. Well, that's going to that's gonna not last very long, but they were talking about Andy Warhol, and this guy who apparently was his biographer, I think he came out with his biography last year. About Let's purposely not say his name. <laughs> I don't even, I don't want to know his name. I looked, I saw Good. it, and I just, I don't care, because he's so stupid. Oh, there he is. It's over. Uh, it's, my niceness is over. He said- Was that nice? Can you believe it? He said, he said, Andy Warhol was, was the most significant American artist of the 20th century. Is that any artist? I mean, does that include like... He said artist. I'm taking it as face value. And I, I, I lost my shit because this is the dumbest statement I've, I've ever heard in, in, in terms of art. So does he mean like like visual art, he fine artist. art, music artist. art? He said art. When you say artist, that means art. That means people who make art. And, you know, he was probably meaning painters, but people throw around this word artist as if it, it's only it's a rarefied word only for special people who paint and sculpt or maybe dance and do weird other stuff, you know quote performance art uh but you know that that's part of the problem with the statement is it's ludicrous on every possible front because Andy warhol and and mostly referring to him as as, uh, when he was a pop artist which was like three or four years of his career so it's a very short period of time and then the rest how long did you say three or four years I when thought it was longer than that. When he considered himself a pop artist, it was only in like the late late fifties, early sixties. Well, that's almost the epitome of pop, right? It's only a couple of years. <laughs> it depends on how you define pop, but I mean, he and the rest of his career is screwing around with film, apparently to no real effect. I've seen. And, have you seen any of his films? No, I haven't actually. I I, I assume, here's he my filmed this guy sleeping, <laughs> so I, I I don't remember how long it is, but it's very long. I watched about three minutes of it, skipped ahead to see if anything changed. Did not. You know, I must have seen, I've seen that. I've seen that. So I have, yes, I have. Here's the thing. This is, this is my thinking. I, ha- I guess I had seen it without realizing I'd seen it. I, it's so boring, I forgot. <laughs> they kept calling him an experimental filmmaker. Like that's some kind of, ooh, he's so oh, absolutely not. Air. No, he's experimental. He's just experiments are stupid, right? Here's the thing. If you were any kind of good filmmaker and you were, quote, an experimental filmmaker, we would know about it because your stuff would be good enough to, for people to want to see. That's a good point. And I will say this. There's a, there's a thing like this. I'm an industrial designer. I know we forget that a lot, but I have a background in industrial design. This happens in design a lot, too. A very similar thing happens where people do these, quote, concept designs. The car makers are famous for it, and it, it makes a little bit more sense in car design. But the the tech companies do it a lot, too. Like Microsoft would... They haven't done it in a while, but they would just come up with these products, like these concept products, and everybody would ooh and ah and talk, and they would never come to market. They would never come to market. So what was the point? It was completely, it was just distracting people, and they weren't working on the actual products. Apple, you know what Apple has never done? Well, I know they've shown Andy Warhol. (laughs) No, I'm saying they've never done, except for a small period where they were under uh, Scully, which was their worst CEO. 
they never did any concept design. They only ever focus on actually making products that they can make. That's the same thing with experimental filmmakers or experimental experimental artists. If you have something good, it's not really experimental. It's just good. I'm sorry. Was that was that kind of a no no no? But come on, James. What? When you're an artist, you experiment until you find something that you like, and then you you broadcast it, however right. that is, either through a gallery or on a radio station or in a theater. Right, right, right. But then it's it's not about the experimental stuff. They just talk about your art. The final they, project. They only talk about it, when they only say experimental when it's not any good. <laughs> have you ever seen, I'm sure you have, like the, the comical drawings of like Michelangelo, where he does like the comics. I haven't. I, ugly I, I don't faces. remember. Oh, I've seen those, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the cartoonish kind of stuff. Yeah, the cartoon yeah. stuff. And I'm guessing that's all defined as experimental. And then they would eventually end up like in scenes where like, the you know, evil people were in the background, right. demons or whatnot. And they were direct result of these sketches. Yeah, but he wasn't going around selling that as, ooh, I'm an experimental artist. He was, he was selling his paintings. Different time, though. Uh, yeah, it's the same idea, though. I mean, the human history d- just repeats itself. It's I, not... I got to agree with you there. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but the idea, okay, so Christopher, I'm going to ask you this question. Who do you think was the most influential American artist of the 20th century? See, and that's once again hard for me to do because you got to define what you mean by artist. Okay, if you're talking you know, about I'm, painters I'm, me, no, or visual art or music. Don't you, you know my, I, my, my, my perspective on art is that it's anything that a person makes that is high, high quality and engenders a genuine emotional response. It's not. It's not. Okay. It's not confined to the stupid realm. Well, of I'm so about music. I can only think of music. Of course, because music is more powerful than 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 painting, right? I mean, if you, in my opinion, well, there's more access to music. That's for sure. It's not and, just and more the, access, but it's more emotive. John Williams is an American composer. Mm-hmm. And he is in hundreds of films. He has made those films successful, in my opinion. He understands the vaudeville music techniques um, where characters actually have themes. And then he marries them into a story that if you're willing to take the time to listen to the whole piece put together... It's an amazing orchestral piece. Uh, well, yeah, they say and alone. it's touched so much medium: cartoons, film, television. Where is John Williams not? The funny thing about that—that's a guess—a really good uh, person to bring up because his music does stand on its own really well. But when you're actually watching the film, you don't really—I mean, you hear it, but it's so intertwined with the film. That's the it genius. Just, it, exactly. It just all comes in at you and you're not really hearing it. When you don't it, hear it, that's when it's at its best. Right. When you hear the music and you stop to think about it, something's wrong. Well, now the genius of him also is once in a while, it all you can hear is the music. Like in the first Star Wars movie that ever came out, Darth Vader comes out mm-hmm. and we hear the, the this death march but and you're so- like, Oh my God! It's so perfectly entwined <laughs> yes. with the film that yes. it's, it's not. You're just not. It's not just the music you're hearing. You're just you're experiencing the whole thing. It's like, it's like, um, the the sound is broadcasting the emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Which is amazing. Totally and then, amazing. And the film. Here we go. Film is also a, a superior medium to painting, and I say superior because it can create more of an emotional reaction. It's just I've never had the. Ex- the most powerful emotional responses I've had, I've had to artwork are first film and then music and then painting, probably. And I, I'm not trying to diss painting. It, it has its place. It's just saying, you know, if you really want to have the most impact, you have to look at which medium you really want to utilize. It, film's kind of tricky to name an artist. And the only reason I say that not is because for me. it's a collaboration. So mm-hmm. it's hard to nail it down to one person. Um, is it the director? Probably. Is it the actor in the film? That's a huge part of it too. And if they're not all three pieces there, when I say three pieces, is you need cinematography there, you need a good storyline, and you need good actors. Without that trilogy, um, it's definitely an artistic piece, no matter whether it's pop or not, um, good or not. But it's hard to nail it down to one person because I feel like you need all three. Yeah, the thing is... I, the more I watch, the more I come to the realization that it is really all about the director. Now, you you want to have a great director wants to have great actors, and they want to obviously have great writers as well. But 
a bad director will take a good story or a great actor and ruin them. And vice versa. I've, I've seen on a couple of films I can think of where you had these great actors and they just did this terrible movie and everybody goes, oh, it was a badly written story. I think eh, it's probably badly directed. Yeah. And it, it, it's, I don't know. It's hard to express, but I, I get I, I'm seeing more and more of the director's hand as, as I as see more and more media. Um, and, it, and because I see the same actor over and over again and I'm thinking this actor was not very good in the first few times I saw him. And then the, another few times or, and, and then one time I see him and he's amazing. And then after that, I see him again and he's kind of bland. Yeah. And then I think, Oh, the director think back. And I'm thinking about breaking bad, breaking bad was, I'm not a huge, I'm a, I, I like it, but I'm not the hugest fan of breaking bad, but I think it is remarkably well done. And I think one of the, the real strengths of it is that they bring the, the acting quality out of the actors they, they have an amazing ability to get those actors to act really well. I, I can't disagree with you, but I got to ask you, can we get some coffee? <laughs> Life getting you down. Is your head always drooping towards the floor? And then seeing your horrible floor just makes you feel that much worse? What to do? Don't change you. That's too much work. Change your floor instead. Go Rageous Flooring is happy, sunny, exciting, rejuvenating flooring. They make flooring fun again. Woohoo! Go Rageous Flooring. For one, you just can't bear to look at your old, horrible floor anymore. You'll be so happy, you won't ever look at your floor again. Whoopee. That's GoRageousFlooring.com. GoRageousFlooring. G-O-R-A-G-E-O-U-S.com. Okay, let us, let us say that you're... Andy Warhol author said, yes, I was talking about visual art and mostly painting. Fine art, I think is the definition I'm thinking of. And who would that be in your mind, James? Well, fine art, again, that's just, don't, don't give me fine art. Fine art, what does that mean? <clears throat> anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't mean to <laughs> dismantle your question, but um, as far as painters go, I, I don't really, I'm not really going to name the most influential one. I'm not an art historian. I can just name the ones that I, I liked and that had an impact on me. And it's kind of weird. My two favorite from the 20th century, I would say, are probably uh, Jackson Pollock and Georgia O'Keeffe, who are not artists that are generally put together because they're pretty different. They're pretty fairly divergent. One of them is clearly like the number, well, maybe not the number one, but one of the biggest abstract abstract expressionists. Uh, and then Georgia O'Keeffe uh, is more, she's sort of, certainly somewhat of an expressionist, but much more of a minimalist. She's not I'm technically a minimalist, but she's, you know, much further along that, that spectrum than Pollock is. They're almost opposite. I love art museums. I Whenever I visit a new town, outside of the United States especially, I try to visit their biggest fine art museum. I, I use the word fine art again. <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't matter. I mean, people don't know what they're saying. In other words, a building with some paintings and sculptures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... um I, I love it. I, I especially love to do it by myself because uh, the experience of the museum is also important to me. Mm-hmm. And when you're with somebody else, um, unless you're trying to woo them somehow, <laughs> um, I like to just take it in at my own pace. So the problem is, is I see these painters and I look at them and I know that nothing about them. So what I'll do is I'll purchase a book about them and I'll read about it. And half the time, I don't know how to pronounce their names because <laughs> I've never heard anybody say it. So I'm always mispronouncing their name and constantly getting corrected. <laughs> so there is an artist I do like, and I think I'm saying his name right. Edward Hopper. Yay. Oh, I got it right. How, how can you mess that one up? Well, I have in the past said Jackson Pollock. Which, <laughs> which is of wrong. all the ways to pronounce Pollock, that's the one way you don't want to pronounce. I know, it. I know, but I ju- I'm just saying is, um, yes, I've been corrected. I think by you. <laughs> never, no, I would never correct you. Um, a, an artist that comes to my mind that I that you do not usually see at museums, but um, I do like to see his pictures, like on magazines or whatnot, is Norman Rockwell. <clears throat> Norman Rockwell. I yeah, see. I was able to finish that sentence for you. Thank you. Because he's he's a huge artist of the 20th century. I think uh, maligned is to some degree in the in the quote the fine art world. Uh, 
But amazing illustration. See, this is where illustration raise, rises to the level of art because there's something uh, ineffable about some of his pieces. He's and we're talking fantastic. about American artists here, he too. He is fantastic at illustrating the, the, what he's trying to do. He, but it's, it goes beyond that. It gets a, it, it's, it's more than just illustration. Well, he, I feel in, in the world of American art, it's, it's very hard to capture America, and he does a really good job of it. I mean, um, parts of it. Actually, lots of parts. Of it. When American, you think, of, when you look at, when you really look at the body of his work, he does cover a lot of stuff. I suppose he does, but uh, I mean, when you're looking at American art, anyways, there's such a small selection to choose from. I <laughs> mean, we've only been around here for about 200 years. I mean, the very first pre-United States of America art is graveyard art. Okay, okay. But, I mean, but, we're literally on, digging thinking, in graveyards we're, trying we're, to find sculptures. We're talking about the 20th century. Okay, the 20th that's century true. was the American century. I know. Oh, my God. I'm, I want to talk more about art, but I read something about China yesterday. Uh-huh. They Everybody is saying the next century is going to be the century of China. You mean the century or the next one? The one we're in right now, okay. the new one. Okay. That's possibly true, but that has yet to be uh, proven. I'm, that, I'm just saying that's what they're talking about. Okay, some people are, but, you know, like I said, I mean, that, that's certainly a, a possibility. And see, may, one may even say it's a strong possibility, but it still has a lot of, a lot of work to get, get done before they get there because they're not, they're not the leaders in anything except for manufacturing. Have you ever looked at Chinese art? Well. It's beautiful, but it's limited. And some of the new art, and, you know. There's not much difference. No, there is a very, <laughs> there's a vast amount of difference. Are, are you talking about anime? <laughs> no, no, I, I think that's more Japanese. That's yeah, Japanese. you're right. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Why are you going to China? We haven't done finished with Andy right, Warhol right, yet. Right. Okay, so one. My point here's the thing with Andy Warhol, right? His pop art is supposed to be really important in some for some reason. Um, and the whole idea of pop art is he's taking the popular culture as well as the zeitgeist. He's 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 feeling America and and he's looking at all these mass produced things. And he's he's trying to he's trying to push it back through art. He's trying to express this mass production, this mass produced society through art. So that's why that he says he's doing the silk screening and does, you know, hundreds of copies of the same painting and just sells them all over the place. Um, but if that's really what he's trying to do, he's trying to take the modern materialism and the the automation of of modern America of the the nineteen fifties and sixties. I would say he's a complete failure because he does not use the mass produ- production techniques of of that era. Silk screen, he's doing all the silk screening by hand. That is very primitive. primitive. Very primitive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. There is another American artist from the 20th century, I think I can think of, who pretty much really nailed mass production. You know who I'm thinking of? I don't. He's he oh, so wait. nailed mass production oh. that he was in every mall across America. Oh, we're not talking about Klondike. We are talking about Thomas Kincaid. Oh, Kincaid. That's his name. Klondike. See, I did it wrong. That was awesome. I loved his work. You love his work? I do. Well, you shouldn't love his work, but we're talking <laughs> about real pop art. We're talking about the soul of, of the nut that Andy Warhol was really trying to get at. Kincaid blows him out of the water. Kincaid is the master of mass-produced work. I know everybody makes fun of him because of the things that you just said and that uh, generally all of his pieces look the same. In other words, they look like it just rained. <laughs> Am I wrong? And the light is coming through the trees, yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, I wouldn't want to see a whole museum filled or like I've been to his galleries. It's <laughs> yeah. just way too much. But if his, if there was a piece mixed in with a bunch of other pieces, he's got nice pieces. Um, I wouldn't, I don't consider it art. I can, it's, it's illustration. It's, it's successful illustration. Uh, but it's not art in my mind because it just it doesn't it doesn't really move me enough. It moves me a little bit. So I I, you know, I grant him. But but like I said, I mean, as far are his as, pieces even in museums? Because I've never seen one. Of his I would be surprised museum. because oh god, the museum. I mean, I've seen them in malls. You know, you you just don't know. You don't understand the art world until you talk to or hear speak some of these art curators who have spent their life studying art history and then studying modern art, and it's just so mind bending the things they say. They have spent their entire careers learning about this fake world of art, of high art, which is thought to be the the pinnacle of human success. And of course it's not because it's a completely hollow, it's a sham, but they have learned this, to speak and learn these concepts of how to wrap it in these these advanced ideas to make it sound like it's really important. But it's not. And it, it's it's mind-bending that some that these people are spending so much effort to 
elevate something that's not worth elevating. And their whole career is based around this and, and, and based on it. Have you ever been to LA County Museum? Nope. They have a monstrous collection of Andy Warhol stuff. Well, it's not hard because he does, he quote, mass produced it as much as you can with, you know, the silk screen. And I've never seen O'Keefe in there. Well, she has her own <laughs> museum in uh, uh, New Mexico. Where is it? Not Taos. Uh, she, she has her own museum. <laughs> really? So what are you saying? You saying because he has more art in more museums that he's a better artist? No, no, I'm just saying is McDonald's that. McDonald's has more burgers in more places than anyone else. Do you think they have the best burger? Re- reality is is really just perception, which is what art is all about. So if everybody perceives okay. Andy Warhol to be the greatest pop Not artist. Not everyone does. It's only, it, Here's the problem. Only a select few people who are in the high end of the art world believe him to be of any value whatsoever. The, if you go on to the mass... I think if you were going on the street and ask people, you showed them the Warhol and then you let them listen to, I don't know, something from Elvis Presley or the Beatles or something and said, which of these pieces, does this piece of music or does this painting have more of an emotional impact on you? What do you think the results of that would be? Uh, I think I think Andy Warhol would get sunk like in five minutes. Well, the thing is, do the piece, are the pieces memorable? So there's this piece by a guy by the name of, I can't think of his name, if it's Wood Grant or Grant Wood. With, it's the two farmers. Oh, yeah. What's None his name? Of, the, the farmer and his wife, which is actually his sister, but that's, that's not me. <laughs> I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Damn I can't, it. It's either Grant Wood or Wood Grant. I cannot you, you remember. You make me sound so stupid because I've forgotten his name. But it is. It's one of those two. Anyways. American Gothic. Yes. Now, that's a memorable piece. Everybody in the United States knows that piece. That's, Everybody. Yeah, he's kind of one-hit wonder. It's a very interesting piece, though. It, I mean, you can deconstruct but it. But he has another one, too, where the, where the woman's... No, no, that's the, a different artist. Wyeth, I think that's Wyeth. Oh, with the arm reaching out to the farm? Yeah, yeah that's a different artist. Oh, God. That is his wife. Yeah, Who I is that? I, Andrew Wyeth, I think. Well, you're, very, you're, you're, you know, you're more of a music guy, so. I'm yeah, I am that. more of a music guy. All I know is that I saw that piece once. Um, I think in New York. Might have been in <laughs> London. Oh, we're just name dropping now, right? But well, anyways. I've been to Shanghai now. <laughs> I have been, been to a lot of art museums. I, I can't tell you how many. When I was a very young man in my early 20s, um, I think I went all the way through my beginning 20s, 20, 22, 23, 24. I probably went to an art museum once a month. Mm, that's, that's, that's good. I'm and impressed. The, my favorite one that I used to go to the most was the Norton Simon up in Pasadena. Love that museum because it had such a nice mixture of modern art, which I was into at the time. Not pop art necessarily. Right, right. Um, but it had, well, it had a be- beautiful Van Gogh's there. And that was mm, the reason that, well, enough yeah. to go. And then it had all the, the ballerinas from... Um, Degas? All the impressions. Yes. And so it's a, it's a great, great museum. I mean, LA has some wonderful art museums that are all within like 25 minutes of each I other. I think Van Gogh may be the, the greatest painter of all time. Well, it's funny you say that because I think about him all the time. <laughs> I do. I think he's become part of Western culture. I, in fact... I was just this morning looking at, um, someone was showing me an example of how you can take a piece of art and animate it through these plugins. Right. And they had the Starry Night there. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah, what else would you use? If you really wanted to show um, what your plugin or whatever you can do, let's find out the most recognizable pieces, right? Van Gogh is the easy one. Starry Night. Um, the one with the red beard, whatever that is. And of course, the sunflowers, the self-portrait. But I mean, most people don't even know when they're looking at these sunflowers. Yeah, that's Van Gogh too. Oh, if you know anything about painting, you can immediately recognize the style. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you and I can have this conversation, but I don't know if everybody else does. I mean, I hope so. Everyone, you know, everyone has their own <laughs> level of expertise on stuff. But give, to throw a little bit of niceness over to Andy Warhol, I think he's the one who came up with this idea. And I think it's probably the most important thing he said. I'm assuming I'm attributing it to him, and I don't have a direct quote. But it was the, what I really loved was the, uh, his idea that in America, especially in the 50s, it didn't matter if you're rich or poor, everyone got the same Coke. To some degree, right? Got the same what? Coke. It oh. doesn't matter how much you want to pay for a Coke, you're still going to get the same Coke. And it's, it's the mass production. This is, this is the good side of mass production. You can make a wonderful, cheap thing that everybody can use, and it's completely... Uh, uh, democratic. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You can, if you have fifty cents, you can buy a coke, and it's the it's the same for a millionaire as it is for a pauper. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, and 
Um, he did just say that whole thing that everybody talks about 15 minutes of fame, which is a bunch of was crap. Was that him? I don't know. It seems like everyone says that. But no, here's, here's the irony, though, is that he never made artwork that he sold for 50 cents. So he's pointing this out while completely avoiding it, where T- Kincaid is doing exactly that. He's, he's, he's selling postcards and whatnot. You can buy a Kincaid for probably 50 cents on a postcard, or you can spend $5,000 for one that's been hand, a little bit of hand painting and, and signed on it. So that's, it's a little bit ironic that he's talking about this, but then not actually. Do you know if Kincaid had a team, like, you know, um, those pieces that you see at the mall that are selling literally on the ground or like in a park somewhere, it's like 10 guys. One guy does just the wave. Well, the other guy does just the sun. Warhol and was guy, the same way. Warhol had well, I know. He had a, it was called the factory, right? Yeah. yeah. But did, did uh, Kincaid I'm sure it? he must have because he manufactured this stuff. Literally, man, he was printing this stuff in, like in huge presses. Is this not? Is this, yeah. He, he, he takes manu- mass production for real, which is the honor. Anyway, um, but we I guess need- the last thing I can say about Warhol. Here's the here's the question I pose to anyone who thinks he's he's of any real value. I look and, and this is before I I, ma- I learned all about him and before I became so negative about him. I look at his pieces, and at the end of the day, I just don't feel anything. If there's no emotional response, why bother? That's a good place to end. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so negative. No, let's name some of the let's name some of the people we think are actually the, the greatest American artists. Well, I thought we already touched upon that. Well, I like Norman it, Rockwell. You, okay, you're a Rockwell guy, but who love else? Him. You said uh, John Williams. I do love John Williams. I'm going to go with uh, Stanley Kubrick. I think he's the best filmmaker of all time. I think he had a huge impact on how, how films are made today. Uh, who else? Do you have any musicians or? Directors? Well, I like I like John Ford as far as films go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I know this is going to ca- sound kind of wacky, but yeah, a minute ago you were talking about, uh, I mean, we were just talking about John Williams, uh, Danny Elfman. I mean, Who's he's, <laughs> are you serious? I, I, I recognize the name, but I don't Boingo, know. Boingo, Boingo, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, man, no. If, it, if that's what floats your boat, that's fine. No, man. Danny Elfman, uh, the Simpsons, which I love and constantly bring up for no reason at all, but Yet another influencer. All the Tim Burton music is Danny Elfman. Oh, okay. Um, Danny Elfman does a lot of commercials and stuff oh, you don't even know so about. So he's, he's all over the place. He's all over the place. And he's definitely, oh, I think he's American. <laughs> he has an American name. Let's. <sighs> there's no such thing as an American name. Robert Johnson. Do you know that name? You must know that name. Who? Robert Johnson. Oh, we're talking about uh, blues. We're talking about yeah, father yeah. of rock and roll, so he, to speak. I think I think you can make a strong case. Not a music guy, but it's my understanding that he's kind of the father of rock and roll. Yeah, I would. Which seems like he's definitely much, one of he's definitely in the family of that. Those, seems like that it group. had a huge impact on the 20th century America. Him and Muddy Water. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I think to be great, people actually have to know who you are. I, I no. See, that's that is one of the things I would disagree with. If your work isn't necessarily well known, that doesn't mean you are not successful. If you are the seed for other people who who go on and take your the the basis of your work and take it and make it something completely massive and expands the globe, I think there's some value there. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. But the the big thing is is and when we're talking major influence, they're almost. Or they actually are genius, and you need two. You need to be one of two things, in my opinion. You are a genius if you were the very first guy to do it, and you are a genius if you did better than anybody else. I'm gonna go with the second one. But the first one could just be luck. We do a lot of things accidentally, but if we don't make it actually happen, then is it really that important? And I, I know I just I'm basically deter- turning 180 degrees of what I just said, but there, you know, the person, the, the the genius that can make take something. And make it the best it can be, I think, is, is more valuable to us. Okay. I'm not trying to discount the first one, but that's, you know, like it, it, you see it over and over again. The first guy to do something is not the guy who makes it a big thing. Like inline skates, right? Uh, rollerblades. No, blades. no. The I first guess guy not. who did the rollerblades didn't really, wasn't able to make it a thing, but then some other guy came around and, you know, made it a huge international sensation. So you have to t- be able to take and make it viable. All right. Let's hear the second part. I and mean, what you know, and the other thing we have completely neglected to talk about is comedians, which is an amazing art form and has, I think, a huge influence on on society. Well, Robin Williams been talked about all this week. Really, I guess I missed that conversation. Well, 
It's, you know, I hate this when they, I, I'm, I'm okay with celebrating life on the birthday, but oh. the whole, it's his dead day. I mean, why? Wow, that sucks. Yeah, why? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Especially in his situation. But comedy, I think, is, like I said, is, is an underrated uh, art form. Yeah, we've talked about this. Um, it's funny you said that. <laughs> uh, this Saturday, a friend of mine, John Fitzsimmons, who's actually been on this show, yes. will be at this club down in town. Actually, it's not downtown. It's over in Mesa. It's called uh, JP Comedy. It's just kind of this cool little club. It's very small. But so it's kind of cool because no matter where you sit, you have a good seat. Let's go. Yeah. So I went there two weeks ago for the first time because he was, you know, John was going to be there. I wanted to just, you know, support my buddy. <laughs> and um, it was a cool place. They had some pretty good comedians there. And um, there's this young guy from ASCU. Um, I'm hoping to get on the show in the next couple of weeks. Um, he must be like 19. I thought he was a comedian. Was he there too? Genius. Oh my God, they get great low. I mean, it's not one of those places where you're at a, this dim bar and like, oh yeah, there's some bad comics. So why are they letting you in? <laughs> All right. I want some more coffee or <laughs> I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> oh, well, look what I did. I, I made him feel bad. Boo, you, <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> Boo, You've been in your house so long, you don't even remember what the sun looked like. But you ain't ready to leave those four walls. But you're sure tired of looking at that dim floor. It's ugly. ugly. And you want something a little more interesting. Well, you should check out Go Rages when you want an outrageous floor. We got all kinds of fun patterns like, like flying monkeys. And some of my favorite, paisleys and bubblegum balls. We got pizza floor, pepperoni if you like it. If you're still learning how to read, we got alphabet floor. And that ain't spilled soup. We got covered wagons with horses. We got grapefruit and green grass. Fire trucks and fireflies. We got chicken for your kitchen. Heck, we got a floor to look like you're floating in outer space, staring at a big old Saturn and even possibly Uranus. Keep your mind clean and come on down and go rages for some go outrageous flooring. That's G-O-R-A-G-E-O-U-S dot com. All right, See you soon. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to diss you so badly. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> I'll give you some more coffee. Maybe that can pick up your spirits a little bit. Yeah. Well, anyways, I'll be there this Saturday probably. If you anybody else there wants to see my ugly face, what it really looks like. <laughs> I can see it on the website. Easter I won't be performing. I'm just going to be hanging out. So I'll be the guy with the... They don't have martinis. And they do not have okay. my favorite, they, oh, no. Coke and Rum. Oh, well, hopefully they'll have oat milk for you. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you soon, James. Thanks, Christopher. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Heat Stroke is brought to you by Markers in Motion. Audio engineer, Christopher Furman. If you'd like to contact Heat Stroke, go to heatstrokepodcast.com. Won't you come on out? The sun is out. The sun is out so bright. Don't Won't you come on out? It's me. Don't you see me? Take a boo. Don't you feel me? It's morning dew. All I want yes. is a cup. Yes. A very large cup. Yes. In my hand. Yes. A large cup. Hot. One. Oh. Cup. It's not tea. And it must be dark, dark brown. Oh, it's made from pink up brown. Make it hot, make it hot, make it very, very hot. Coffee. Hi, this is Betsy. I want to tell you about the Children's Museum of Phoenix. If you're in Phoenix, planning to come to Phoenix, or just looking for something fun to do, check us out at the Children's Museum of Phoenix where you can come paint and climb and use your imagination. We're 100% fun and currently 100% outside. To find out more, visit us at childrensmuseumofphoenix.org. Hope to see you there. Have fun. Be playful. I'm going to save this stuff for the end of the show. Oh, is this going in? Okay, whatever. Probably turned it on too late. I did turn a little too late. I, they might not know what you're talking should, about. Should, should we uh, clap again before we're starting? Yeah, go ahead. Nice. Woo! Uh, 
he's famous for mispronouncing stuff like constantly. Who's this? John Gruber. He's very he's a smart guy. He's very he's a very well respected guy because he writes really well. He's a very good writer for you know from a blogging standpoint when he when he's trying to figure out a new Apple thing or something like that. He's very good. I I don't think you can find a better writer when it comes to technology than him. Oh, really? Yeah. I, and and he's but he's very narrow cuz he only talks about Apple stuff for the most part. Um but he constantly mispronounces things. Uh. And and some of his friends do too. It's like uh there's a guy who's even smarter than him, John Syracuse. Let's wait this on the conversation. Okay, it doesn't matter. Wait? I'm just saying oh, okay. he he says aesthetics every time he wants to say aesthetics he says aesthetics it's not aesthetics john it's aesthetics it's not aesthetics okay it's ae it's like one of the few words i can spell we got to get used to doing this countdown once in a while i need it five four three two one zero i clap nice and soft well i think mine was better here goes my funny laugh. Does that really help you, the the, the clap? Because I I know I keep forgetting to do it with the the, the pops up. I think Once in a blue help. moon, I'll accidentally move stuff the wrong way. Here it goes. Pontiac Fiero, North America's only mid-engine two-passenger production car. One of the top ten cars for 2021 says Car and Driver Magazine. Fiero. Fuel-injected, economical, only by Pontiac. Pontiac builds excitement. Fiero. I know occasion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've spent a little bit of time with my family, and they, they're, the Furmans are in three places in the United States. There's the ones here in Arizona. There's the ones in Indiana. And there's a handful of them. In Florida, and the Florida is unrelated to me, but all the Indiana ones and the Arizona ones spend their vacations for whatever reason in the bayou. I don't know why we do this as a family tradition. And so you learn to eat Cajun food. Okay, that's not interesting. What is interesting? <laughs> 